0: Top chat with Trisha Bowler. Okay, Trisha Bowler, thank you so much for giving of your time today. And just a little preemptive at the beginning. We're sitting in Battersea Park next to the pond and there's some squawks of birds going on in the background and planes overhead. But it's now or never as Trisha's about to go off to Poland and then somewhere else and then India and then then Asia. So it wasn't worth not having all the background noise and miss out on Tricia. And the reason I'm speaking to her is because I went to Pure in Heart prayer group last week and she was giving a talk about St. Francis Xavier Lay Missionary Society, which she
1: started up, and her work as a lay evangelist, which is very exciting. It's lovely to be here, Ruth, and it's nice to be here on a sunny day. I hear London doesn't have too many of those, so thanks be to God.
0: It, well, I get to stick out for the sun, but it just very often comes when you're not expecting it, and then it's not there when you think it should be there. But is it your first ever trip to
1: England? Yes, and the, it's been a lovely reception since I've been here. Everybody's been quite nice. Quite nice, good. Well, literally what she did last week, she stepped up a plane all the way
0: from, was it all the way from California, that first flight? Oh, my giddy aunt. So she was literally halfway the other side of the world when and speaking in London all at the same time, really. Because it takes a little bit of time to catch up with where our bodies got, to on modern transport these days. Anyway, she came and spoke about her work as a lay missionary, and I don't know quite where you start in the story because it's
1: so remarkable, but where where do you normally like starting? I think, you know, I could start anywhere. I think any time we look at where God has called us, that we can look back on our lives and see how even from when we were young children, how God was at work, the Holy Spirit was at work in our lives, building us up and preparing us for the beautiful calling that He was going to give us to set us on that path to holiness become the saints we've all been called to be uh, but for myself to be more you know, to the point I would say to be called as a lay missionary in Asia I've always had a love for God and it's a, a love for Jesus Christ that I was surprised to find out that there were people who did not know Jesus and I thought that was always so sad because I thought of how important Jesus has been to my life and how, how dearly loved I've been by him and my experience of his love in my life and I really wanted to share that with others and so since a young age I've always felt something of that nature and I never quite saw myself as an evangelist much even though I was raised ecumenically, I had a Catholic father and a Protestant mother um, and there was definitely more of an evangelical side to the Protestant side of that um, as one would expect but to be called as a missionary I think My first experience with missionaries was when I was studying about Japanese history and I was hearing about the Jesuit missionaries who had gone off to Japan to spread the gospel there, you know, St. Francis Xavier and his lot, and the many challenges they faced, and yet the joys of celebrating when um, other new people came to know Christ and his love. And I thought, oh, that's so amazing. And I shared a similar interest in going to Japan and studied the language and the culture for quite so many years, and when I really had a chance to go back to Japan for a long-term trip, I took a one-year contract to work there, I always thought, you know, maybe, maybe I am going to go carry on the work of the great missionary saint, Francis Xavier, and bring the faith to so many, the 99% of the Japanese population who do not yet know Christ. And You know, after a year of living and working and mixing with the people, I came back home and I felt like an utter failure. (laughs) I thought, my goodness, God may have called people as missionaries, but certainly I'm not among them. I felt I had made very little headway into sharing my faith with the people around me. Uh, Looking back now, of course, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. Um, I think I had a heart for mission, but I didn't know quite how to go about it. And again, looking back, I I see now that actually I was planting a lot of seeds. But I think I was looking to see the fruits of this harvest and um, things take time. And also looking at Japan, it's probably, in my estimation, one of the most difficult mission territories in the world. Um, So that was, I think now, I'm not too hard on myself for how things turned out, but I also see it was part of God's plan to leave me open to just the Spirit working in my life. I went back to the States, though, and I did a master's program at Stanford University and focused on East Asian studies. And in that time, I uh, had an opportunity to spend half a year in mainland China to improve my language studies. Um, I really wanted to improve my Chinese language and I've never actually been there and there's only so much you can learn about a language in a textbook. So I um, found an opportunity to get myself over to Beijing and uh, never mind the dogs in the background. <laughs> but I got myself over to Beijing to engage in some language study programs and things didn't quite turn out so well in the last two months I was there. The language program I was in fell apart, my housing situation fell apart. And suddenly I felt myself at a loss, but I still had two months left in China and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought, well, maybe I'll at least try to study on my own. And I would find myself in the parks uh, just studying my Chinese language books, but occasionally also because they were quite peaceful, beautiful places to be in, Uh, I would read my Bible and I would pray. And um, you can't really see this on the radio, but I'm blonde hair, blue eyed and uh, you know, about as white as they come and so I, I stood out yeah. <laughs> stood out just a bit, of um, <laughs> being in China and so it was not uncommon for uh young Chinese students to want to approach me to, to try out their English upon me and uh you know, I was pretty open to it. Um but every so often, you know, they would look down at what I was doing and they say, you know, it's Is that a Bible that you have there with you? And I said, well, yes it is. I said, so are you a Christian? Indeed I am. I said, wow, that's really cool. Would you mind uh, telling me a little bit about the Bible and what you believe and maybe some of the more important things that are in the Bible? I'd love to learn more. And I was pretty amazed to hear this because I would never have heard this in Japan, let alone back home in the States where a lot of times people are rather dismissive. Um, to our the faith that they were given so it was as base. a very
0: different response to japan
1: you, well you, in would Japan, you... I just didn't have people normally accost just the way the culture is. the culture isn't built that way to accost strangers and you know inquire about you know books that they had next to them. but in China there's I think a more natural born curiosity, especially with things that are foreign and here they were speaking to a foreigner who spoke some Chinese as well, and that already had piqued their interest, and then they see a Bible next to me. And for the ones who were at the right place for the Holy Spirit to come knocking on their hearts, He brought us together and then they came with their questions. And I was more than happy to respond in a way that would help them along their journey of faith, to seek after God's heart. And um, so I did what I could in those last two months. I was meeting people almost on a regular basis. And you know, I wasn't really doing, I wasn't going out and seeking people. The Holy Spirit was bringing them to me. I mean, I, I remember one evening I was having dinner at a restaurant and I was just sitting by myself, having my food. And I, as I always do before any meal, I cross myself and I pray. And, you know, about a minute or two later, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and invited me to join him and his friends um, at their table for dinner. And, of course, I thought, why not join them? Um, <laughs> good way to meet new people. And so I, I joined them at their table. And as we introduced ourselves you know, one of them turned to me and said, you know, we couldn't help but notice that over at your table there, you were praying before your meal, and now we see you're wearing a cross around your neck. Are you a Christian? And again, you know, in communist China and you hear this, you know, this question, are you a Christian? Now, how do you respond to that, you know? Is it safe to respond that, you know, yes. But I I felt, you know, there was no danger here, and so I did. I responded as truthfully as I could and said, you know, yes, I am very much a Christian, and it's something that's very important to me in my faith life. And they said, you know what, that's wonderful, because some of us here are really interested in learning more about Christianity, more hoping you could teach us a little bit about God and your faith in Jesus Christ. And again, I wasn't expecting these kinds of responses, certainly not in China, let alone any other parts of the world. And and yet here I was with uh, two total strangers, and uh, speaking in a mix of Chinese and English to, again, share my faith with them, share about my love in Jesus Christ and the hope and the peace and the joy that I received through my relationship with Jesus and helping them to experience a little bit of that too um, through my own personal experiences of Christ alive within my life. And, um, you know, the one of the young women there, she started coming to Mass with me and that was just really, really special. And by the time I ended up, those two months had gone by pretty quickly, uh, as I found out pretty soon. And I had to head back to the States. But before I did, I had the opportunity to take all these people who I had met, uh, to have them come meet the pastor of the church, where I'd go for weekly mass. And he was so warm and welcoming. And of course, being Chinese himself, he was able to speak their language and answer their questions better than any I could have at the time. And... I thought, wow, Lord, what a beautiful experience. Um, you know, I went back to the States and, you know, it really gave me pause to think about how God had used me in that beautiful way to touch the lives of so many others and help them along their journey of faith to draw nearer to their Lord, to their Creator, to their lover. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to get a job. And I'll pray for China, you know. I'll pray for Japan, I'll pray for all these other people in Asia and other parts of the world who don't yet know Christ. But uh, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let that lie quietly at that. And as I was receiving job offers in different parts of the country, there was just this nagging sensation, this tugging on my heart. And God would start sending people into my life who would hear about my experiences in Asia. And they said, why don't you go back to Asia? You know, you may not be able to go back to China as a missionary, but you can go back to a lot of other parts of Asia. And there's a lot of people who need help, who are seeking after God, and maybe you can do something to help them. And I thought, well, you know, I have I have to get a job, you know. I, I, I can't um, just drop everything and, and on a whimsy, you know, just go and follow, you know, what I think to be the Holy Spirit, I believe to be the Holy Spirit, off to some far-off land. You know, I have school loans to pay off. I, you know, and would have no support from my family to do this. I'd be all out there on my own and not quite sure what I'm doing. And yet, in the end, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. He wanted me, just like when Jesus called his 12 disciples, he wanted me to be able to be ready to drop my nets. to Drop my nets and follow God. Drop my nets and follow Jesus. And that meant letting go, letting go of any prospective jobs that I had, any hopes and dreams I had in my mind for my future at that point in time, and be willing to follow Christ wherever He would lead me. And in this case, He led me all the way back to Asia as a missionary. And not just a missionary, I think as Catholics, we we sometimes seem to think that missionaries come in three types.
0: Oh, I like this one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Priests, sisters, and Protestants. Yes. Do I hear an amen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, our our Protestant brothers and sisters, in fact, they do such a wonderful job and just being out there to evangelize the faith and going out as missionaries in all these foreign lands. And when I was in Asia starting as a missionary and I thought, looking around, I said, so where are all the Catholic missionaries? Hello? Hello? Crickets? You know, I mean, it was just... I was it, you know. In the in the areas that I was serving, I, I oftentimes found myself as the sole Catholic missionary, the token Catholic missionary among all these Protestant mission friends that I would begun to make. And, um, and I said, you know, Jesus said, "The harvest is plenty, and the workers are few." We need to find more workers for the field here, and the fields were ripe for the harvest. So many places I've gone to in Asia where I would share my faith, preach the gospel, and people would just hang off of everywhere they're just hungering and thirsting for the wisdom of christ for his love for the beauty of the gospel words the message to just resonate in their own hearts and their lives and it's very much like what saint francis Xavier once said about india he said you know there's so many people here in india who aren't getting baptized for one reason alone there's nobody here to catechize and baptize them And he said, if people knew the situation, if they really understood it out here, they would leave their homes, they'd leave their universities, their workplaces, and they would say, Lord, Lord, send me anywhere, even to India, to Asia, Lord, wherever you send me. And so I saw when I began doing mission work in Asia that there is this beautiful hunger where people will travel by public transport two and a half hours each way just for mass and fellowship and to study the faith the praying community and I thought my goodness back home we take our faith so much for granted if there's foul weather outside we can't even make it the 10 minutes to the local church for mass and yet these people you know they can't take their faith for granted it's something very beautiful very special for them and they will go to great lengths to do whatever they can to grow in their faith to draw nearer to our Lord and if they're willing to do that then I must be willing to offer what I can of myself in the way that the Lord has called me to be there to serve them to serve their spiritual needs and however God has called me to be there and be with His people and so, so I'm into my eleventh year now. Eleventh year. I oh my to goodness! <laughs> I never thought I would still be here, you know. And um, but my goodness, God has been good. He has really been good. And it's not easy. I I tell you. Um, no,
0: but that's part. It's very. mysterious. I, when I was listening last week and we heard the talk there was a very a very open ear amongst the group at Pure in Heart but I think one of the things about your story that's so remarkable is how you did respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in very to start with in in, on some level a very simple situation of just being at a table in the park and responding to one Chinese person's questions but how that that very quickly moved into something much more and and the giving of yourself to begin with though I think well now you're hearing you talk about Japan you had this thirst to be an evangelist yes. to to spread the gospel and yet and there you were in Japan finding that there was there was no obvious avenue for doing it and then you were in China where you thought absolutely no way would there be an opportunity and you didn't even have the fluent Chinese that I presume you had Japanese at that stage at the beginning but you had something and then the Holy Spirit was the one who worked, and he was the one that started this acceleration of the journey. He planted the desire. But I think the thing that you're being discreet about here is that you had been quite involved at Stanford with setting up some sort of prayer... Fellowship. fellowship. Because when you started saying about different prayer groups that formed and everything... My goodness gracious me, this girl's a bit of a dynamo. So what was this fellowship at Stanford? Um. And uh, just because being a Westerner, I think for some people there is, the, well, let's pray and hope that there is a draw to come and give of themselves. Uh, you now have a structure where people can join up and go on mission for, I think it was a three-month or a six-month or a year. So there's that as well. But then there are others, uh, w- maybe we should start with that and then talk about if you not going abroad, but what you can do within your own home. So maybe we start with if people are feeling, gosh, I'd love to know a bit more about it.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, It's been a a wild ride, a blessed ride. Um, You know, with the St. Francis Xavier Lay Missionary Society, we began that in 2012, we had a lot of support from the Western Dominican province of so the Most Holy Name of Jesus. They're uh, based in California. And,
0: and, Hank, one of them is your spiritual director, isn't Yes,
1: Father right? Isaiah Mary. He's just been wonderful support for us and our mission. And um, and even our, the provincial Father Mark Pedrez, he's just been such a blessing on our ministry, um, showered us with so much support and prayers, and all the other brothers have been wonderful. And um, so, anyway, we formed this back in 2012. Um, received a lot of initial support as well from, um, several bishops who, you know, really saw this as something that the church has needed for a long time for lay people, lay people to go out as missionaries. And this is what the church has always taught, but I think for those of us in the pews, we hear it so seldom that we never look upon ourselves as evangelists, let alone missionaries, and, So for us, it's been really important with this new lay missionary apostolate that we founded to not just train up and send Catholic lay people to serve as missionaries in Asia, but also to really make known in the church back home, especially in the West, that just by virtue of our baptism in Christ, we are all called to evangelize. We are all called to participate in Christ's work to bring all souls to be saved in Christ Jesus. And, and that's every one of us, every one of us who has been baptized in Christ, we share in that beautiful mission. And then for those of us who are called, uniquely called to a ministry of evangelization in a foreign culture to be a truly a missionary, and that's really what a missionary is. It's it's going out in a foreign culture for an extended period of time, um, not just for one or two weeks, but you know months at a time. In fact, uh, we have this short program. We call it our our three-month, our spring mission experience, where you can go out for three months and kind of get your feet wet in mission, as it were, sort of like an internship, you know, and and kind of get a feel of what mission life is like. And if that's something that really you've discerned as something that you want to do longer term, then we have a one-year mission program that you can sign up for. You can jump straight into the one-year program, too, but it's a little daunting if you haven't had, you know, The right international experience uh, especially in developing world countries which is part of where we serve although we do have a mission in hong kong uh, which is much more of a first world society i would say very a beautiful mix of east meets west you can find in hong kong but yeah we founded this 2012 um, and we've already begun sending a few people over to serve in asia we're starting small but we're trying to do it right and be responsible in our mission and um, together with the Dominican Friars, um, we do a lot of formation back home in California. We form people uh, for the mission, uh, making sure that they have a proper understanding of the language, the culture, the people, and the history of the places that they're going to really embrace that culture and, and be there, be in love with the people, the culture, and show that respect for that. And that really means a lot for people You're not just going in there like a bull in a china cabinet, you know, just messing things up (laughs) and mucking around. There's really a lot of respect for the local people, the local culture where we go, and we do our best to do whatever we can to teach and preach in the local language. But wherever we are, the most important thing is to just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, to be at work in our lives, to touch others, because a lot of times it's in the most simplest things where the Lord is able to work through us to touch somebody else's life in a very, very beautiful way. In fact, I remember one time I was in Asia and um, I was at a, a cafe and this young woman approached me, an uh, uh, Asian woman, and again, I stand out quite a bit in Asia and and uh, <laughs> You know, I, I get this question a lot, you know, do you have time to uh, speak English with me? I tell you, oh my goodness. But, uh, you know, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm so busy these days. I have, you know, I, I was carrying two jobs really at that point in Asia. Um, my, sort of my day job um, to help me with, you know, covering some of the bills and giving me more of an official status um, with my work and my place in Asia, and then in the evenings was usually when I would go and do ministry work, and um, so I was really kind of book solid just about every day of the week, but you know, I, I told her I don't really have a whole lot of time, but I said, you know what, if you're if you're not doing anything Tuesday evening, I'm leading a Bible study at a church nearby, and, and you're most welcome to come, and uh, she looked at me kind of quizzically, and I said, no, it's fine, you know, you don't have to worry, if you, don't, you don't need to know anything, we don't presume anything. You know, but there's a lot of other young adults. <laughs> God loves his little children, <laughs> even the screaming ones. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, babies come close to you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, this this young woman, I I told her, you know, um, you don't need to know anything about the Bible, about God or Jesus. You just need to be open. And I said, you know, every time I join in this Bible study uh, with these other brothers and sisters, you know, we're all the same age. You know, we're all young adu- adults and just study about the one who created us, who's blessed so many things in our lives and to see how he is at work in our lives, how he continues to bless us and strengthen us and encourage us on and I said every time we come together to meet as a group, I always learn more about my life, something important something beautiful, something special about how much God loves me and what he wants from me in my life, sometimes even just words of consolation and affirmation and and that alone can be just something very important and very needed and um, so she said you know what I'd be really interested in going to that and I said you know what you come to that and afterwards I'll treat you to dinner and we can speak all the English you want yeah she thought that sounded like a mighty grand idea (laughs) um, but I said you know what I didn't want to pressure her you know I said I'd love for you to come to this Bible study but if you don't you know I will treat you to dinner afterwards anyway so whether you come or not and um, we'll still do dinner she said okay but sure enough, she did. She showed up for that Bible study, and as me and the other Asian brothers and sisters, you know, we were speaking the local language there and uh, going into the Philippians. I love, I love St. Paul's letters. It's just so beautiful, and just sharing about how God was so beautifully touching each of our lives, and sharing and singing songs of praise. And so we finished. We prayed over one another, and as we were done with that. This young woman who I just met at this cafe, she rushed over to me, threw her arms around me, and through tears began to say, never before in my life have I felt so much love as I did here tonight. And before I came here, I never even knew who Jesus Christ was, but now I desire to know more about him and his love for me. And I was just astonished at how beautifully the Holy Spirit had touched this young woman's life in such a short period of time and one evening gathered together with these other brothers and sisters in Christ sharing in the words of the great Apostle Paul but here she was and clearly here God was alive in her heart you know, urging her forward to, to come to know Him yet more. and I said you know you are welcome here every week we meet here every week I'd love to have you Said, well, then I will be here every week. I desire to just learn more and more as much as I can about this. You people are just, you know, it's wonderful.
0: And this was a girl that you just came across in the street and came up and asked if you'd teach her
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't know this woman from Adam two days ago. You know, again, it was just being open, being inviting to her and this cafe. You know, I didn't want to shut her down and turn her away. I, every person you meet, you know, Mother Teresa says something like, um, Every person we come across, you know, God has called us to do something for him or for her. And so I always try to look at every individual that I encounter. What is God asking me to do for this person? How is God asking me at the very least to pray for this person? And so this young woman, through an invitation, came to this Bible study. And she couldn't get enough of it. And just hearing her response with so much faith, it really did so much for my own faith. To encourage me in my own work because you know as a missionary these last um, 10 11 years it's it's not been easy it's been a lot of tears shed um a lot of tired exhausted nights um it's, it's 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 rough really rough at times it's not easy and especially when you don't have a lot of support at home and i i didn't find much support in the beginning and even now it's still a little difficult um you know i would go home sometimes and Sadly, the Gospel passage that would resonate most clearly with me is when Jesus bemoans that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. And I really felt that so many times again and again. And it didn't matter how fruitfully God was at work within this ministry overseas in Asia. it just couldn't be understood, couldn't be recognized by so many back home. They just couldn't understand what I was doing. Many of them even challenged the legitimacy. And yet I was seeing so many people coming to Christ through this ministry so many people falling in love. And I thought, you know, even Christ says to the people, you know, you you judge a tree by its fruits. And this tree was becoming so fruitful. I even had a Jesuit come up to me at one point, you know, I'd get so worn down and, you know, I'd run through all my money yet again because I would just empty my bank account again and again to pour everything into the mission. And uh, sometimes I just couldn't afford even to put a roof over my head or food on my table. And I'd just be so willing to give up so many times. And this Jesuit, I knew, he he once told me a few years into my ministry, he said, you know, Tricia, you can't give up now. He said, look at what you're doing. The Holy Spirit is being so fruitful and through your ministry, through the work that you're doing. He said, in these two or three years, you are having a greater impact on the people here in this part of Asia than the Jesuits have had in the last 20 And he said, you're doing this on a shoestring budget or lack thereof. And the Jesuits with all their resources and their community and look at what you're doing. Just in your faith and your love driven by the Holy Spirit. And so you can't give up now. You have to persevere. And it was people like him, you know, who'd come along. And they would just, at the right moment, they would be there to encourage me, to urge me onward. That was sometimes the one thing that would keep me going. That one positive voice of affirmation saying that I was on the right path you know it's, it's really important that we have that community and also that we have that strong prayer life that's something i really realized serving in the mission field is the importance of having a strong prayer life uh, because that's where you communicate with God that's when you renew yourself and refresh yourself in His love and His caring arms so it's been a beautiful journey it's been a struggle as I said but anytime we follow God and His calling for us we're going to encounter struggles, we're going to face challenges, and sometimes they feel like they're ready to break us. Uh, but that's when we need to dig deeper within ourselves, ask for the help of the Lord and whoever He sends our way to be with us, to help us and support us. And that's when we really, really draw closer to Christ, is in the midst of those struggles. And it's I've certainly grown in my faith so many times again and again through this beautiful vocation I've been given.
0: Well, it's It's a very joyous thing to witness something of you in your vocation. And that's not necessarily very concerning in the dark moments, but it's, it's so moving the way how... We can sometimes think it's going to be in a very obvious, big, grand way, and we know everything before we start, in a sort of modern way of everything being so planned and ordered. But often the way God works, it's a step at a time, and grace is enough for today. That when we start trying to look too far ahead, it all crumbles. But God just asks us to trust him today. And that we know that his love is always there. And the final word will be God's love. That's our extraordinary hope. And that gives the courage to do things like you do, which in sort of worldly terms seems so crazy. But there's such freedom though too. That was the other thing that really struck me last week. What a woman of freedom we were. Really, really alive in the Holy Spirit and free but just because I mentioned it earlier, the fellowship that you started at Stanford, was there a sort of structure? Because a lot of people, it's just even, I'm on my own slightly pretty much in my own area without anyone else obviously seeming to believe. And that maybe what Jesus is asking for them or Holy Spirit would love for them to do is to form a fellowship just within their own community. Is there any
1: advice you could give on that? Um, Yeah, first of all, pray pray it's really important um, ask for God to help you discern how he's calling you to be part of this ministry to start a ministry and then find somebody to be with you to support you and you need you need a spiritual director or a chaplain of sorts some priest or sister some religious who's going to be there to support you to offer you spiritual guidance and direction and of course to pray for your ministry that's very very critical for us uh, you know, we had a team of three, It was myself and two other graduate students at Stanford University, and of course the pastor who gave his blessing and support for this. Um, but we were really on our own. You know, he didn't give us any guidance, but he did say, you know, whatever finances you need, we'll take care of that. But not being given a figure made it kind of difficult, so we always try to keep it as conservative and spend as little as possible. But for us, we, you know... I think the core thing is, one, making sure you have those extra people to help support you, especially one of them being somebody a religious or a priest. But then looking at what's your demographic, who you're trying to meet, serve their needs. Um, start small in the beginning, especially if you don't have much. So maybe in the beginning you're starting with a prayer group or a Bible study, and then you can grow out from that. Because we had a good team to work with, we started with what we called Catholicism 101, which is sort of a large group fellowship. And we'd gather every Monday night and um, just have uh, different guest speakers come in. And sometimes we were the guest speakers. So <laughs> and we would plan every quarter in advance. So We, we would plan ahead for the upcoming quarter uh, different topics that we wanted for each week. And we would always invite feedback from the local community to see what are the kind of topics they wanted to hear and they wanted to learn. And even if we didn't have a speaker, we found that it only took a few hours of research and then running it by our spiritual director, our chaplain, to kind of get his or her feedback to develop a, a solid topic. There's a lot of information out there. And and so we were able to develop this group and we'd have a lot of people showing up for the large group and we'd have a little bit of food, snacks, whatever, open up in prayer, do some announcements and then pray over the speaker and have the speaker come. and. It's always good to not just have somebody is just speaking and talking ad nauseum, you know, <laughs> uh, to have little breakout sessions where they have some discussion questions or things to reflect upon so people can break into smaller groups in the course of that and then come back together as a large group and share in those reflections that they had in each of their small groups. And then, of course, always finishing off in prayer for one another. That's like the critical elements, I would say, that should be present in a large group depending on the time you have and the talent you have present you know you can always also have some musical part of praise and worship or something as part of that but it just really depends um, we also started smaller groups like a small group bible study small prayer group like a women's group or a men's group that people could join in on and i think that's important for people who are more comfortable there's Large groups and small groups, they each bring their own wonderful dynamic and things that the other can't necessarily offer. So I think at its best, a good fellowship program has both. It has both a large group where people can come together as a greater community and then also the small groups where people can share in more intimate discussions about what's going on in their faith lives, and that's harder to do in a larger setting. So they both have wonderful things that they bring but you can't really say one is better than the other they're both important and so we had the small groups were found in those bible studies those prayer groups and we'd get volunteers who are leaders Um, and there's different formats for doing bible studies the first few years myself and another one of the leaders we were always leading but we would always invite people and of course in the bible studies you're not necessarily teaching as much as you are facilitating and of course we would prepare notes So there was still a good deal of teaching going on to help explain certain things. But we're really encouraging to facilitate discussion and understanding by the other people in the room so that they can also offer up what revelations, you know, the Holy Spirit has offered to them and discuss this. And always staying as strong and true to church teaching, though, as possible. That's very, very important. In the beginning, when you're starting this, I mean, I think all of us have some aspect of church teaching that we struggle with maybe in our understanding or even our acceptance. Um, And that's okay. But when it comes to teaching and passing on the faith, we always, always, always must adhere to the teaching of the church, of the magisterium, because that is the Holy Spirit. And I've certainly found in my years of doing ministry that things I couldn't understand or felt challenged by in the beginning, I opened myself up, my faith, to saying, well, Lord, I don't understand this, and sometimes I'm not even sure I agree with it. But if this is the teaching of the church, I'm going to do what I can to still pass it on as such, unadulterated by my own biases. And it was amazing because in the process of studying more about my faith, whenever you're preparing a Bible study or leading a fellowship, it forces you to really know your faith, to really study it, because you're preparing to teach and pass it on to others. So they always talk about the best way to learn something, to know something, is to teach it and this is very true in ministry and i found that in the process of studying up reading church documents seeing what scripture said what the catechism says and other spiritual works about certain topics of faith that it would come clear and clear and i could come to understand why the church teaches the way it does the wisdom in it that maybe wasn't immediately obvious at first glance especially as influences as we are in modern day with all secular society and what it, its own message is, that it bombards us with on a regular basis So, um, but if you hold true and as I really matured in my faith I understood how right and how true and just the teachings of the church really are even if they're again not immediately understandable or even that easy to agree with or hard to accept in the beginning but as you really continue in your study of the faith you come into a much greater understanding and acceptance of it and you see how beautiful those teachings really truly are and how understanding they are of the real human condition Um, but I would say yeah just to kind of close up on the whole ministry starting your own ministry I mean a lot of times I hear people you know they, they kind of bemoan the fact that you know oh why don't we have a Bible study I wish we had a prayer group well maybe that's God calling you to start one and I would just say again pray about it talk to a priest talk to a sister some other religious that you know And say, you know, I have this idea and, you know, get their support. And if they don't support you, find somebody else who does. (laughs) If God is truly leading you on this path, He will find you somebody to give you the spiritual support you need. And then start that group, whether it's at a church or in your home, you know, or in some cafe nearby. Gather people around, promote it as best as you can through word of mouth getting people to announce it for you at mass, putting it in the church bulletin, whatever you can do to get the word out and bring people in and offer people opportunities to be take on different roles and responsibilities to really participate in this ministry because that also gives other people the chance to see where God is calling them. And I think a lot of times people want to do things, they just haven't been asked and they need to be asked. And if, again, if God wants something to happen, He just needs His people to step up to do it and He will work through you. You shouldn't be daunted by the fact that you don't know uh, the Bible well or the catechism well or whatever you feel called to teach. You've never done it before. Trust in God. Trust. If He is calling you to this, He will give you what you need to do and the Holy Spirit will work through you and make it happen. So, So have faith in God because God has faith in you. Amen. I don't
0: think we should say anything more, except maybe include the website, just in case people
1: are wanting to learn more about you or how they could get in touch. How would they do that? You can go to our website right now. It's www.laymissionary.org. That's www.laymissionary.org. And There you can find other interviews we've done, some of the different places we're serving in different parts of the world, and how you can get involved. Whether you want to serve with us as a missionary on the ground, pray for us back home, or even support us with your financial donation. All of those things are welcome, and we'd love to hear from you. We really would. Thank you so much. God bless you.
0: to us for the most tip top, top chat.